0: This is Sandcast Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Moore, presented as always by our wonderful sponsors at VolleyballMag.com. And we are back for the first time in a while at our Born on the Beach studios. Oh yeah. It's been a little bit. Yeah. And we have a really fun guest in today. We have Mrs. Patty Dodd. How are we Hello doing today? Hello,
1: Travis and Tri. Thank you so much for having me. Good Absolutely. Have
0: Happy Memorial Day. Glad glad, we we could steal you on a holiday.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's probably why you got me here. No practice today.
0: Yeah. And so with with practice, I guess explain to our listeners what's keeping you busy. Um, So what practices are we talking about that you're running?
1: Uh, Yes. So I started a uh, beach volleyball club two and a half years ago. It's called MB Sand. stands for Manhattan Beach Sand Volleyball Club. We practice south of the Manhattan Beach Pier. Very iconic place, and it's for 10 to 17-year-old boys and girls. And we normally practice on Mondays and Fridays, but we are off today.
0: Yeah, and I'm really interested in the, the grassroots movement for boys getting into beach volleyball. Because with the, the college game with the girls now, it's starting to get into high school, too. It seems like the grassroots and the feeder system for the women is exploding But I feel like it's kind of one side of there because I feel like the boys are really lacking. How is the boys grassroots movement just in terms of getting, you know, 12 year old guys into beach volleyball instead of, say, lacrosse or basketball or football?
1: Okay, so I actually want to talk about USA High Performance because I think that's where we're starting to see some growth. Um, I have been with the High Performance Youth Program. This is my seventh year. And, uh, you know, six years ago, uh, the level was low or we could barely get enough boys to fill an A-1 team, which commonly is the top 10 kids in the country. And that is changing. Uh, Last weekend, we had selection weekend where kids from all over the country come. And I can honestly say I was really, really impressed by the youth 19s. U17s and U15 levels. The U13 boys still we don't have the numbers quite yet for it to be super competitive, but I see hope there. Now, as far as my club goes, uh our population is about 90% girls, 10% boys. So, it's something that, you know, I'm I'm trying to push and and ask uh boys and families to send their kids to uh practice. I actually just had a uh uh, Queen of the Beach Scrimmage, and King of the Beach Scrimmage. So we had 16 boys of U14 U uh, age, and um, they had a blast, and this was uh, Saturday, so was super fun.
2: I always think that if, as long as the girls, like, because the girls is blowing up and, and getting bigger and bigger, as long as the girls keeps growing, I feel like the boys will follow. And, you know, it's still like... It's still not where we want it to be, and, and in comparison to the girls, it's small. But me looking back, and when when I, when I when I was a kid, I came out from Hawaii and I played in like a little AAU tournament, and it was literally like I came out. Me and Riley McKibben were, were just hanging out, and and they were like begging us to play in this tournament because <laughs> there was like two teams in it, and so we came out and we played in it, and uh, and then at the end of it, they called us like national U U nineteen or U eighteen national champions and like it's still on my bvb but we really like (laughs) basically went and scrimmaged like two teams and uh i don't think anyone they all read it and think i was like some youth champion (laughs) 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 but um yeah it's crazy at least at least it's growing from back then and the national team program is fairly strong right like there's some really good talent from what i hear on these young teams even on the men's side or the boys side
1: Oh, yeah. 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 We have uh, actually uh, there was a tournament in Cuba just uh, yesterday and our women took second and our uh, men. uh, This is U19 and their men took bronze. Mm -hmm. So um, definitely, you know, the numbers with the boys might not be really big like we would like them to be. But the quality of those few players is is really good.
2: Nice. I need to start writing names down for future partners. Uh-huh. And that was uh, <laughs> Timmy Brewster and TV. John Schwengel, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, uh-huh. I love those kids. Yeah. Because every
0: AVP Next, every CBVA, literally every tournament that I play in, they're always there
1: they're beach rats yeah you look in the dictionary the <laughs> they're, they're right there at the top <laughs> of the list beach rats like you travis
0: yeah, and they're great players too yes. like they're i mean they have the sweetest hands and they're just like still waiting to grow and fill out a little bit but once they do like i mean they're taking thirds in cuba
1: <laughs> yeah yeah partain brothers super fun to watch
0: yeah yep. and now you're also involved with the usav kind of not just the high performance youth level team, but the, the upper echelons, right? Coaching the, the big boys.
1: Yeah, the senior team. Well, that's uh, Tyler Hildebrand is the headmaster coach for that program. And um, he started, uh, now we're finishing our second month of Monday-Wednesday uh, practices with the A1 and A2 senior uh Teams, so it's about you know sixteen or so athletes get invited to that per gender. Uh, I get to see try there on Mondays and Wednesdays, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we're having a really good time with this group. Uh, Tyler is innovative and creative with his practices. is high high reps of a lot of out of system uh, touches that players normally don't get during a regular practice. So I think. Um, the players are enjoying it. I We see it with the numbers of, of returnees to practice.
2: Yeah, it's kind of blowing my mind when I go down, because I've been in part of the system for years now, and it's you've always been on your own. It's never been like it was when I played indoor. I played a little bit on the indoor national team. Um, but I show up today at practice, and there's we got Hayden out there. We got Reed Pretty out there. We got pretty much everyone. Uh, Nick Lucena was there. It's like our whole, almost our entire national team was there and, and bought into this system within a month or two of Tyler getting hired, which kind of blows my mind. Cause I've, I was a little slow to buy in like, all right, like, are we really going to all train together? We're kind of enemies, you know, we want to train against each other and, um, not show each other all our skills, but uh, Hildebrand's got a good system going. He's got everyone bought in pretty early and, uh, He's trying to get us to to take that extra step that a lot of the European and Brazilian teams are taking um and I think it's I think it's it's gonna work out for the best for the u s national team
1: absolutely i mean the the men need to practice against the top men because right. you guys just don't have many choices. The women can still train again you know, some double A players, some mm-hmm. decent men and and get some good training. But the men absolutely depend on each other to get better.
0: Yeah. I feel like this is something that the USAV has been missing for a little bit. And now because like when we had Sam Schachter and Sam Pedlow on Canada's number one team, they said that you know they got invited to go to Brazil and what they found was like astounding they were like they would have 10 coaches per team they yeah. had two guys that were just there <laughs> they were called shoulder guys cuz they would just rip balls <laughs> off boxes at them and yeah. i feel like that's what we've been missing and now we brought Tyler in who from what i understand is almost unanimously well liked and well respected and we have all the top teams practicing and getting these reps cuz one of the biggest things is that when you practice with a high level team you know and only one of them has a coach and the other one doesn't The practices are sort of random because one team wants to work on one thing and one team wants to work on another Mm -hmm. thing, and you're sort of just like, All right, we can do this drill for five minutes and then switch. I feel like, is this we're taking a step in the right direction? I feel like,
1: absolutely. And um, Tyler has been great at recruiting volunteers, so if you want to call him shoulder guys, or yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Ben Ben
2: Vaught was down there today, Benny Boo, and yeah, like. eric berenich was there and yeah it's like if if the numbers are off and someone needs a partner that player's there and they can jump in and get the reps if there's too many guys you're going to be out for that drill but these young players like travis will probably be out there soon uh will are getting at least to watch like just this i mean i'm i've been playing at this highest level and i'm there just to watch and and absorb all this information. So it's really cool for the up-and-coming players, too.
0: And now I want to get into your story a little bit and how you found yourself in you know, the position that you are helping out with some of the best players in the United States. Now, you are native of Bogota, Colombia? Bogota. Bogota.
2: Travis. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> you learn something new every day. Ah, that's all right.
1: And Colombia with an O, by the way. <laughs> I've been
2: hearing uh, good things about Colombia more and more lately. Oh,
1: it's a phenomenal place to visit. You know, it had the bad rap during the 90s and right. early 80s with all the drug trafficking but now it's safe to go and it's absolutely beautiful people are very friendly mm-hmm. uh, going to Cartagena is amazing and you know I'm from Bogota so I'm very partial to that city
0: Bogota yes <laughs> Bogota. and so I know that you came over to the United States to play for UCLA
1: Correct. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I actually had graduated early from high school. I was 16 and a half, and I really wanted to learn English. And uh, we had a connection here in Santa Fe Springs uh, in LA. Uh, our friend Molly Kavanaugh had a volleyball club, and she had heard that I was a decent volleyball player and said, Hey, come over. You can stay at my house, I can host you. You play for my club and you can stay here for six months and then go back home. So um, I came, I played for her club. I got recruited um, by multiple schools, uh, almost went to USC. (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) aside from marrying my husband, the best decision I ever made was going to uh, um, UCLA and loved my, my time there. My fifth year, I was assistant coach, and we won the NC two A's. And I was hooked. I thought, wow, this coaching thing is definitely for me. So um, that's how it came about from Eng- learning English to getting uh, into UCLA. And so
0: you learned English on the fly when you moved here.
1: Yes. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah, I started taking ESL classes at the like the community uh, school. And it was a little too slow, so my friend um, that I was staying with, she was a high school teacher, and she spoke with other high school teachers that will allow me to sit in class, not for grades, but just to listen and get used to it. And got a couple old, old textbooks, and I would just translate every night, and I pretty much taught myself English, oh, and awesome. I'm still learning.
2: Well, yeah, and well, I'd you, you, you say you speak yeah. it pretty well right now. I tried to learn <laughs> Spanish, but how
1: I, about if I say I speak it pretty good? Just kidding. I speak it
0: pretty well. <laughs> and already you have a better grasp of grammar than ninety-nine percent <laughs> than me. Well, Let's you know,
1: try speaks pigeons. so... he
0: he has been trying to teach me too. It's slow. Yeah. It's slow going. So yeah. <laughs> gonna,
2: tra- uh, Travis is going to teach me. Correct English grammar. <laughs> I'm <teaching pigeon>.
0: <laughs> 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 and I'm always so curious as to what the volleyball culture is like in other countries. So how was it? How is the volleyball in Colombia? Is it a big deal? Is it sort of a side sport?
1: It's definitely a side sport. It's not like in Brazil where it's such a big deal. You know, second to soccer, right up there with basketball. Uh, in Colombia, is soccer king. Cycling second, and volleyball are far, far. I couldn't even tell you what number. Um, <laughs> is so you cycling? Cycling is big time really? in Colombia, yeah. I, I think because of all that. the hills, and, and so the players have really good endurance because right. they practice at a high altitude. Ah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I play for Bogota's team, I play for the national team, and I, we didn't have any beach volleyball then. There is a little bit of beach volleyball now, but it's not you know, it's nothing big.
0: And so did did you begin to play beach when you began at UCLA? Because I know that UCLA is so close to yeah, some of the
1: biggest so beach volleyball. Actually cultures. one of my teammates uh and a great beach volleyball player herself, Liz Sakayan, will talk me into going down to my to um to the pier in Santa Monica, and it was a great gig because um, we will do that in the spring when we didn't have indoor stuff. And one of our teammates worked at lemonade on the stick on a stick. So all we had to do was what, buy hot, one hot corn dog, dog, on dog hot dog on, hot on a stick. stick. Thank I you. Remember that place? Yes. Okay. Oh, not hot, hot dog lemonade. <laughs>
2: is the, like, lemonade on a stick. That, yes. That's like a popsicle, right? That's all right. Sorry. <laughs> I remember going down there, uh, when I first started playing and just trying to find games and there's a guy just sitting there the whole time playing the same song, get your hot dog on stage. <laughs> it's like still in my head. Cause it yeah. was just like the same verse over and over for like every time I went down there. But yeah.
1: Yeah. So one there. of our, one of our teammates worked for that little stand right yeah. underneath the pier. So all we uh, needed to do, you know, you're a poor college student, yeah. <laughs> bite your corn dog on a stick bite your lemonade and then you were set for the rest of the day because you could have free refills through her Ah. and we would just play and play and play and play actually Wilt Chamberlain will play a lot there so we played a lot with him against them and with him, it was pretty entertaining um, to play because he would always everything was always the partner's fault, <laughs> and uh, and a lot of trash trash talk. But really, it was Liz that kind of got me started on the on, in playing. And it was my fourth year. Yeah, I was a senior when she called me one morning, one Saturday, out of the blue. My partner is sick; she can't play. You want to play in the in a tournament? And I said, okay. I mean, I was still, you know, pretty green, and we ended up taking second, and then we started, you know, we played a lot after that.
0: And when you say tournament, two, so the AVP didn't, it wasn't united in both men and women until 2001. So I'm interested, like, what was it like to be a woman professional beach volleyball player in the mid-80s? Because I know the WPVA was around for a little bit, but that was kind of up and down, So what was, what were your options like in terms of beach tournaments?
1: So I played for the WPVA. I was on the board of directors for the WPBA, And then um, it was actually in the late 90s that the AVP started to invite women's teams and they invited only eight for a while until it became officially, you know, just the home for both, uh, for both the men and women uh, tour. There was definitely inequality in in uh, money but you know that's the 80s and 90s for you it's a different time for women uh today so now the price mine is equal
0: and with the WPVA like I just I haven't really been able to find much on it like there's not many YouTube videos of the WPVA what was it like I'm just so curious as to like how it was run what the tournaments were like that sort of thing
1: You know, we had a couple of really good sponsors, so there were some definitely some really good times there. Uh, Hilton Hotel was title sponsor, Corus Light was involved, and um, yeah, you know, the prize money was not as good as the AVP, but uh, the level of competition was uh, really good. Uh, I had a particularly good year in um, 89 with uh, Jackie Silva, who ended up winning uh, gold in 1996 in Atlanta, the first time Olympics, um, you know, had beach volleyball as a sport. Um, so I, I have fond memories. You know, I don't think I was playing for the money. Right. Uh, I was a school teacher, at the, you know, during all that time I taught school and that having summers off allowed me to, to do both. I remember I got really good about putting on my suit as I left work (laughs) to try and get to the beach by four to practice
0: yeah yeah and now you were a a kindergarten ESL teacher
1: I I taught kindergarten yes for a few years and then I stopped teaching and I started doing uh, beach volleyball for a while only and then when my when I stopped uh, playing um, I went back to uh, to teaching so I've always kind of like have one or both or yeah. something like that
0: uh, I, I feel like you know being a teacher it probably helped you with coaching and vice versa have you just always had a knack for just working with people and and helping them along
1: you know there is a great quote by uh John wooden and and I should know this by heart but it it's about how being a teacher uh helps you uh with coaching tremendously because what teachers have that a coach doesn't have doesn't gain that training anywhere is the ability to manage children. And if you can't manage kids, then you cannot teach them hmm. and eventually coach them. So that is definitely a gift that uh, that I feel I got from all those years of teaching.
0: Uh-huh. And I know that one of the so I teach a, a couple journalism classes and I know that one of the best ways to actually learn your own craft is to teach it too. Because I'll be teaching some of these things to my kids, and I'm like, God, I got to do this from, right. in my own stories. Mm-hmm. Did you get any of that? Like when you were coaching kids, even with volleyball, re, were you kind? Of, were you finding yourself like thinking, I should probably keep implementing this in my own game too? <laughs> <'Cause>
1: <laughs> I- <laughs> well, you know what? I didn't start really officially like coaching for real real until I was done playing. Okay, and I think that often wow if I knew (laughs) everything that I know today then I would have won more Uh, but that's okay I'm happy to give it to this uh, next generation I truly believe that being a good player doesn't make you a good coach Uh, actually my kids got curious about uh, volleyball when they were about uh, my oldest one Dallas when she was 12 and she's like, Mommy, can you coach me? And I'm like, oh. you know, I was a bit scared, like, oh, what do I do? And um, I actually took a couple of Gold Meadows Square clinics, and the people there um, do a fantastic job of breaking everything down. It was uh, an amazing experience for me. I got to listen to Carl McGowan and Mara Dunphy teach me how to teach fundamentals, and um, so you know, it has been a learning process. I'm still learning today. You, you know, at every practice, there is something, as many things could click for a child or an adult in practice, things click for me too. It's like, oh, wow, I worded that differently today. And that made it easier for them to understand it.
0: You mentioned that you you wish you knew (laughs) or implemented some of the things, but that said, you had a Pretty phenomenal career. I mean, you you mentioned a successful season in '89, but you and Jackie won eleven of thirteen <laughs>
2: tournaments. Yeah, that's a pretty that's good an year. Understatement.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was fun times. Playing with her was uh, challenging. Uh, she was so intense, um, and this was in the days of big court and side out scoring and. You know, you could be down 11-2, but Jackie believed that you could still win. Uh, pretty amazing experience to play with her. But, um, yeah, I mean, grateful to all the different partners that I had.
2: And you uh, got your name on the pier as I, well? I did.
1: Right? I did. I, I remember I have
2: walking a, across that a few times.
1: I have a funny story for you about that. <laughs> so, um, Perfect. I mean, I don't know if the listeners know who my husband is. Mike um, <laughs> Dodd. Ha- he, ha- he has He uh, has five plaques on the pier. Yeah. So... They had the ceremony when they first put the plaques on the pier. I want to say this was like um, maybe 20 years ago, 18 years ago. So Dallas, my oldest one, was little. And I called her over. Hey, honey, look at the beach reporter. Mom and dad's names are on, on the paper. And she looks and she studies the paper for a minute. And she's like, oh, but your name is there only once. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh you know no, the kids put you right where you belong <laughs> uh, so you know now sometimes my own players will walk by the pier and they're like oh we didn't know your name was on the pier and i'm like yeah just keep the dogs from peeing on the yeah. plaque yeah.
0: <laughs> make them aim somewhere else yeah does it i mean does it ever get old to walk by your name on the manhattan beach pier
1: I can't remember the last time I walked on the pier too. Yeah, it might have been three years ago because two guns had coffee at yeah. the end. But yeah, I don't. I definitely don't like walk over and look at it or polish it. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely kind of like in the back of your, you know. You know it's there. It's there. Yeah. You so it's have it's, that. it's yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like nobody can take it away from you.
0: You had, you picked up the beach game pretty quick then, because, I mean, you said that you graduated from UCLA in 84. 84, uh-huh. 84, and then yeah. you really only started playing just then in 89. You were winning 11 of 13, got your mm-hmm. Manhattan Beach Open title. How did you go about developing that beach skill set so fast? Because especially, I mean, indoor, you got six players, and then you go out to beach, it's just two on, and then it's the, it was the same, big court was the same size as indoor, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Those days so that's it was a huge oh, nice yeah. difference. They're huge. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, You know what? I I think two good teachers, you know, one was Liz. And then I started dating my husband in 85. And one of the things our first date actually is is he picked me up at UCLA and (laughs) we came down to Marine Street and here's crash course on um, beach volleyball and he taught me a lot about the game and you know went to the kettle for lunch and he's like whoa if you get taken to the kettle for lunch uh, <laughs> You're he's <in>. serious yeah <laughs> so <laughs> and we've been married for uh 33 years
0: that's awesome that's uh and you guys were either the first or only Married couple to win an open title in the same year.
1: Uh, we were the first, but now Casey and Carrie, I think, have that. True. At uh, their yeah. names as well. Yeah.
0: BVB's got to update You uh, know, though. Casey
1: being so competitive, I think when they did it a couple years ago, he called us right away. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, all right, Casey, join the club. <laughs> There's yeah. only four of us in it.
2: <laughs> Maybe we can all go to dinner at the kettle. Yeah,
1: exactly. There you go.
0: That's great, though. And then, you know, in in 96, so, you know, Mike wins a silver medal and your partner, Jackie, wins a gold medal. That was probably a pretty fun Olympics for you.
1: Oh, it was super fun to watch. And, you know, it was was one of those timing things that it all, the beach volleyball all kind of came quickly to fruition with being an Olympic sport, and I just could not get my citizenship for the us in time so i couldn't play for colombia because we just didn't have a good enough team and um so yeah i missed out a little bit on that but as a spectator um you know dallas was uh three and a half years old and and we both got to witness just an amazing amazing um first uh, olympics for beach volleyball that was really really special
0: now we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors This podcast is brought to you by Wilson Volleyball. The AVP season is back, hallelujah, which means, guess what? We are back to playing with Wilson Volleyballs again. And the College Girls plays with Wilson, and the CBVA plays with Wilson. The AVP plays with Wilson. There is a reason that all of the pros and those about to become pros play with Wilsons. It is the best ball in the game. It is the one the pros use and the one that you should use as well. And the good news is is that you can get 20% off by using our discount code WILSONSAND. All right, and I'll say that one more time. You can get 20% off by using our discount code WILSONSAND for 20% off of the best balls in the game. This podcast is also brought to you by Firefly Recovery. Listen, we're all athletes here for the most part, which means that we are all aching in some way or other or sore somewhere. All right, and a lot of times this is our knees, which is where Firefly Recovery comes into play, which is why I love them so much. So if you're one of those weird people who go to work every day like I do, you can strap this onto your knee while you're sitting at your desk, and it helps you recover by moving the blood around in the region. I'm not a scientist. I don't know exactly how it works. You can go to fireflyrecovery.com. They have all sorts of testimonials and information out there. But what I just want to say is that it works. Like if you're traveling on a plane to an FIVB or a North or to AVP Austin or to AVP New York or Seattle or wherever it may be, use Firefly Recovery on the plane. It'll help you recover while you're sitting there on your plane ride, talking to people that you probably don't want to be talking to anyway. So use Firefly Recovery to be the best athlete that you can be. And now back to the show. And especially, I mean – any, like Mike has seen it, you know, go through a lot of different times. But as as a woman too, you've seen it, the game evolve in so many different ways. From having just the CBVA run the women's tour to the WPBA, and then the women were on the AVP, and then the AVP went bankrupt, and now we're back. Just from your perspective, I mean, how much has the game evolved and changed and grown? Because now we're seeing it where, like you said before. The men got paid way more, and there are only eight eight women's teams invited. And now you look at the AVP now, and the women's field is way deeper than the men's. And they've been... It's crazy.
2: have been the face of our tour for over a decade now, really, if you think about it. It's been Carrie and Misty, April, that have really been the face of our tours um, for a long time now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think winning gold and doing (laughs) it over and over is definitely going to bring exposure to... uh, to the game, so I mean, we should all be so grateful to to this these two ladies that have put beach volleyball on the map, and and I think that trickles down to NC2A and, and this popularity, and it's now in this third year of being an official sport, and and also to to kids, you know, I what kids can do in beach volleyball now is pretty amazing. I mean, in my club I have a third grader that's um AAA, and that's just incredible that at 13 you can accomplish that. I have a lot of kids that are um AA and and um, you know, uh quite a few. I had 22 kids at uh, selection weekend. So, <clears throat> I made mean, about 10 made the A1 uh, national team and the other 12 made A2.
0: Have you And Mike thought about coaching a college program? No. (laughs) No?
1: I mean, slightly spoken, but um, I, I find even though it sounds neat, I find the recruiting piece really, really difficult. So I think, you know, with the club, I get to coach and teach and see the kids progress and get better, and, you know, the, the boys and girls gain so much confidence from learning and getting better at their craft, and that's incredibly rewarding, and if I had to, on top of that, at recruiting, and it's a really difficult part of the college um, job, I don't think you know, I'd rather spend my time with the kids. It's very, yeah.
2: it's very complicated, and there's a lot more than just volleyball you have to deal with. Yeah. You have to deal with NCA violations and rules and all those sanctions that you have to avoid. And, yeah, it's you're, you're almost running a business when you're... Yeah. Yes. Not that you're not when you're running a club, but it's more customized to what you want to do. Yeah,
1: and you could, as a college coach, you could be after 20 players and only get one or two. Right instead
2: you're kind of uh you're pre um providing those recruits for the college coaches right so you're kind of doing it from the other side of things where you're getting these players ready and developing Mm -hmm. them for what these coaches want maybe and then they get to go to the school that they fit in most
1: absolutely yes and how much
2: do you have uh how much do you like kind of uh, fill in that gap between the players and the coaches. Do you talk to some of the, keep in touch with some of the I have to. coaches? I have to
1: because the grand majority of my kids are um, fall under junior year. Mm-hmm. And so coaches cannot directly talk ah. to anybody before September 1st of their junior year right. unless the contact is initiated by the athlete and the college coach happens to be on, you know, available around the phone. So there is a lot of three-way communication between the college coach, the club coach, and the family right. or the kid.
2: Yeah. That's huge for your yeah. your club girls oh. to have you, because I'm guessing there's not a college coach you don't really know, <laughs> right? <laughs> it, it helps. <laughs> it absolutely helps.
1: It absolutely helps because, you know, I ask the kids, okay, prepare your... Um, introduction letter and I have a template that they can go draw from and then upload some highlight video you know three to four minutes long college coaches don't want to watch much longer than that and I follow up that with a phone call because it's surprising how many don't get a response back I think the college coaches might be overwhelmed so sometimes I think the, the phone call from somebody that they know Definitely. definitely helps get their kids, you know, or at least get their foot on the door. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Especially with a, a fairly reputable background as well. I feel like you're just being as good of a player as you were and, you know, with Mike too and his backing cuz does he I'm sure he helps you out a little bit with
1: Mike is actually my equipment manager. So his <laughs> title is MBCN Volleyball Club Equipment Manager and I have another funny story for you. So, uh, Mike Mostly, you know, does that. He helps me set up the nets because we have our own very professional nets. You saw them today. Try at practice. Yeah. And uh, he helps me set them up, take them down. And, you know, there's a little bit of heavy lifting. He thinks that that keeps him in shape. But, (laughs) anyways, (laughs) I had to be absent from practice uh, some months ago. And I asked them to set for me because I couldn't find. a sub, and one of the 12-year-olds arrives at practice uh, with her mother and says, oh, no, Patty must be running out of coaches. The guy that sits up the nets is going to run practice. (laughs) 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 So, you know, the mom just could not wait to call me because she knows Mike's background, and, you know, (laughs) that's what 12-year-olds can say. So, yeah, yeah, the janitor is going to run practice. That's (laughs) so funny.
2: I, I love seeing Mike driving around and you guys have like a that golf cart kind of yes, thing, right? He yes. throws a surfboard on top, roll up to practice, throw out a little dialogue to everyone and then cruise back and go, go up on his business.
1: Yeah, yeah. And at the USA mm-hmm. practices, sometimes he comes as high and um, I think he's you know, well-liked by just about everybody. Oh, M. Dizzle. Everyone. He has so many of nicknames. Course. Yes.
2: Un- <laughs> Uncle Mike. Um, I mean, his coaching background is pretty great too. He was coaching uh, Rosie and Gibb. I, I don't, no, the other teams he's coached along the way, but he's coached Rosie and Gibb through two Olympics, Yes, was it?
1: so so two fifths of the Olympics, and then he also coached uh, Daniele Lupo and ah, right. Paola Nicolai, who took silver in Rio. Right. not, I did not under. Know that. Yeah, not, Mike was not coaching them during Rio, but he right. got them started a, a few years back. That's right. And
2: did you go, because he must have gone to Italy to go live there for a while to coach them, did you go with him?
1: During the summer. So the uh, girls okay. and, and I, we, uh, we went there for about a month and a half because he had to live in Italy for a while.
2: Is that when... Did you learn Italian while you were there?
1: I played professionally in Italy a year after uh, UCLA, so I already knew how to speak Italian. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah.
2: That must have been fun.
1: Super fun. The food is amazing and, and yeah, good times.
0: How was it? Well, I guess I kind of want to compare and contrast a little bit between so Italy obviously Daniele Lupo and, and Nikolai are really, really high level. There's Olympic silver medalists. How does the training in Italy differ or is it or is it similar to USAV training?
2: Well Mike got them started, right? Yeah he Mike got, got them got started. started. They
1: came to us uh, from like January until April and what, of what uh, year? Two thousand eleven. Yeah, it was, it, yeah, I remember it was two years prior to the Olympics because okay. Italy was trying to make a push towards London. Okay. And um, and when they came, they sent uh, a bunch of guys and we were able to rent a house in Manhattan Beach and bikes and they will come to practice. And actually it was surprising that at first it seemed like that high rep work ethic of the American player was not in the Italian player and there was a little bit of belly aching and all that but slowly but surely I think they began to understand what needed to be done to get to that level and they butt into it and um, you know Look at where those two are. Now we got to uh, deal with them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. And, and one of one of the one of the players actually, uh, Matteo Barnier, became their coach, and he was one of the players, but kind of like the experienced player because Paulo and Lupo were babies when they came, uh, and now he's their coach. So I'm, you know, I know he adopted a lot of the stuff that they learned here.
0: Yeah, Lupo must have been really young because he's only 19. what twenty six, twenty seven yeah. now. Yeah. So he I
2: mean he was really a baby. No. <laughs> he was Timmy Brewster's age. <laughs> <My> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's got like twice as much experience as I do, and I'm older than him. It's crazy, pretty crazy. Huh? Yeah. It's yeah. wild to think about that. Yeah.
0: Um, you've coached, you know, a wide variety of teams at a wide variety of levels. Do you tweak your approach or is it could you coach a twelve
2: year old girl almost the same way you would Read pretty because it's just (laughs) getting the (laughs) reps. Sometimes you're actually, you pretty much do that every twice a week, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it it could all happen in the same days. Like normally on Mondays, I have USA senior practice and then I have my club practice in the afternoon. So it's actually, some things are the same, but uh, I guess it's the amount of feedback. You know, a 12 year old needs constant feedback on their platform push the setting to the wind shoulders to target you know call what you see for your partner what are you reading what are you uh you know you're creeping in wait for the set to happen I mean there's constantly this talk about so many details um you know I read pretty at such a high level there's not a lot that you can say to him I mean Uh, This uh, last Wednesday, they're actually working on uh, option hitting and making it, you know, the pass wider to the setter, who could also be the attacker. And, you know, we had a little chat over things like that. But, yeah, it's uh, the amount of talking that goes on in a practice with a 12 year old and a practice with the senior team is um, it's like night and day. There's little feedback
0: what happens when you have a player who might need some feedback, who's a pretty high level player, mm-hmm. but ego might be getting in the way? Because I know it, you know, once at a certain level, an athlete's egos are they're, they're up there. So as a coach, how do you handle that?
1: You know, we've talked a lot about that at practice with, we have a daily quote. Mm-hmm. And I think the focus of a lot of the stuff that we're doing with the USA uh, national team is the growth mindset and being open to learning, being open to trying new things um, So so far I don't feel that that they're being resistant. Um, everybody seems pretty col- pretty polite, incredibly competitive. so yeah I think yeah.
2: you it seemed the vibe to me is because is I have a more of a player's perspective is like you guys have gone about it a really smart way is like you're providing supplemental work uh, on things that you see and and people can, you know, if we're running an option, you guys are running certain plays that are are not normal. Like that's kind of what the practice is. It's not just like the standard stuff. The standard stuff is for every team to work on on their own. Exactly. What plays do you want to run in system? But this is like, These kind of practices are like challenging you in different ways that you haven't maybe seen before and letting you figure out ways to get yourself out of it. And then if you want feedback on it and and if you watch other players do it, you know, you're kind of creating an environment for people to learn how to make their game better in, in certain situations rather than being like, hey, this is what we're teaching now. We're the U.S. national team. We do it this way now, which would make everyone freak uh, I think, out and th- yeah no i show think up.
1: everybody will leave yes yeah. so the attendance has been amazing and like i said the focus is more to more do a week. lot of stuff yes to do a lot of stuff out of system and high reps mm-hmm. so in an hour and a half these guys are pretty pretty wiped uh, because we can get three courts going with anywhere from four to six athletes per court and we get volunteers there um so I, I really am um, enjoying the energy that that we have a practice and like I said the guys have been pretty respectful of the approach and um, some of them are definitely trying this this different things um, some of them like I said this option uh, wide sets is, is a very um, highly is 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 high skill it takes to do that and you have to do it over and over and over to get it down right but you know the rest of the world is doing it and they're good at it so we should be good at it too
2: yeah a few years ago like I would I remember I did a, a fake jump set mm-hmm. set hiding with no one up and it was I put it up on internet and it was like everyone thought it was really cool you know but mm-hmm. now I feel like if I post that it's like and done so many <laughs> times that's news. like in, si- yeah. in yeah. system now yeah. you know yeah. so many teams are doing it now not that i was the first to it but it was mm-hmm. done a, a lot it was a lot done a lot less back then um but now that's like standard in system yeah if you look at like the polish teams who are like kind of the ahead of the game on that like they've bought into it really early on but now every team is and i think that's kind of what you guys are yeah trying to get us to do is buy into to where the game's going and then be ahead of the game on that.
1: And, and watch each other, you know, because right. you, you get um, athletes in there that some of them are particularly good at this or that. Um, it's like when we have digging lines mm-hmm. and then you have, you know, somebody like Taylor Crabb or Billy Allen defending and um, they're so amazing. They're so quiet as the hitter is making contact and you can tell that they can read really well. And then, you know, some of the other athletes, they're just moving a lot before and that's keeping them from making digs. So it's great, you know, for the younger players that don't have that ability yet to see it right in front of their eyes happening. So, you know, hopefully we're all we're all learning from each other.
2: Yeah, I think it's huge in terms of making our national team better. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of myself. I mean, right now when I get back out there, um, you're able to watch someone that you maybe look up to. Let's say it's, you know, it's the Zons and I said Ben Bott was out there this morning. Whoever, these younger uh, defenders or players, you get to watch the guy that is the best in your country at doing it step in line with him step on the court right after him get the exact same hit from a coach and Uh get to to try to replicate it and then if you miss it you can go back watch him do it in front Mm -hmm. of you get back and do it like that's unbelievable opportunity for these young athletes and even for for anyone anyone at the highest level you look at there's always gonna be someone who does one particular thing maybe better than you Mm -hmm. so it's awesome for everyone to learn
1: yeah we and you know same thing on the women's side, I mean the other day we had uh digging lines, and you know who was the quietest of, quietest of them all? It was april I uh, mean she just reads and digs like a machine
2: is <laughs> there any uh, athletes that have been really standing out since this national team practices came uh, and maybe you know the the listeners will get a little uh highlight of what might be to come. Is there any athletes that you think are gonna be maybe making that next step uh to maybe closer to April status, let's say?
1: and on the women's on side? On the women's
2: side or, or men Well,
1: I'm really excited about what Kelly Reeves is doing. Oh yeah. I she like that. Uh, uh she brings energy, enthusiasm, she wants to learn She's athletic very athletic, coachable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think she's going places. Uh, I think um, Kelly Larson, I worked with her in 2015 and 16, and now I'm getting to work with her again. And, uh, you know, that kid's going places too. I like it.
0: We've, we've had Kelly Reeves on, and she is awesome. <laughs> she just brings like the greatest energy. To the table, too. Just, like, competitive, obviously, mm-hmm. but just in a in a good way. Like, she's not, like, you know, putting other people. She's just, she, her favorite word is Gucci. You
1: know, <laughs> she you know, says that a practice. And it's heart. great. What? Like, you just
0: can't be in a bad what mood around that? Kelly Reeves. You know
1: that I played uh, volleyball with her mom.
0: Really? in
1: no uh, At UCLA for three years. Yeah, Jeannie, Jeannie uh, Beaupre-Reeves uh, was the setter. Uh, so good times with her. And mom went on to take uh, silver in '84, so she comes from good genes. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. she's putting them. Kelly is putting them to good use.
0: The volleyball world is just such a small one. I mean, you know someone's mom, and then it's just like a couple years down the road, you're coaching their kid, and their kid's (laughs) about to take the next step. Yeah. Now, have you had the opportunity to coach or work with Sarah Sponsel? Because that's a name that I think just judging from... I mean, she had never played in AVP before, and she makes the finals in straight sets.
1: Yeah, I got to work with her when she was in high school. Uh, she was playing with Susana Muno, another UCLA athlete, and um, they uh, asked me to coach them at a AVP Huntington. I think they were juniors in high school, and they, by two points, did not make it into the AVP, AVP qualify, make it into the AVP tournament, and, I mean, right away from that day, I was blown away by her ability. I got to work with her uh, a year and a half ago. was the U21 World Championships in Switzerland, and she played with Tori Van Winden. And um, she's pretty amazing. And we are hopeful that she's going to start coming to the USA practices. She's in the middle of finals at UCLA. But... Uh, She's definitely on the top girls to watch. Uh, I think she's the best college player today. Uh, I was pretty, uh, you know, I couldn't believe that she didn't make All-American first team, but, you know... I did talk to her about it, and she's like, well, I'd rather take a second in the AVP than make <laughs> all-American first <Yeah>. team. <laughs> yeah. nothing, about yeah. Yeah. nothing subjective
0: about a second place in the AVP, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Right.
1: So, and yeah. Uh, so it's unusual, you know, because not all women uh, seem to be comfortable with their hands, but she is, and she can sit, um just about from anywhere with her hands. I saw her
2: laying out for some digs, and it's like... This girl is athletic and willing to like lay it out there. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Yeah,
1: and and upstairs too, mentally tough. It's hard mm-hmm. to hard to shake her. She That's her, the difference maker right yeah. there. Yeah, like yeah. She can control she can control her mind pretty darn well.
0: And you mentioned handsetting, and it seems like that's becoming somewhat of a trend on the women's side. So we see Melissa uh, in Canada. She handsets basically everything. Summer Ross is starting to handset a lot more. Kelly Clays is handset and Sarah is handsetting everything. I think Sarah Hughes is starting to put her hands on a a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you see? Well, one, I'm curious as to why. Why do you think that is that women are a little bit more hesitant to handset? And two, do you think that's a direction that the women's game is going is that it's a little bit more handsetting friendly?
1: I sure hope that women start to handset more. Um, You know, during my time, they called any type of, Little spin, they called this. so I think we were all afraid to handset, yeah. but um, I, I think it's an important skill to have. However, not abandoning the bump setting either, because, you know, when it gets really windy or, or if, if it rains, you're going to need your, your bump sets as well. But um, at the club, you know, with anywhere from my 10 to 17-year-olds, we teach handsetting for sure.
0: Anyone who's seen me bump set knows why I handset everything. (laughs) I handset out of fear of of bump setting. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you got to,
2: you got to use both no matter what, whether you like it or not. And having a, being a good, I'm a handsetter completely, but if I wasn't a good bump setter, I'd be screwed at the highest level for sure. There's so many sets where you're forced to use your platform. Um, And even, yeah, like playing in the wind to really like get the ball to spin through the wind and you got to be good with, with both, for mm-hmm. sure. But, I, I mean, I just think, logically, the ball's the same size the men and the women play with, but the men's hands are all bigger, mm-hmm. generally. So that's got to be why the women aren't using their hands quite as much. But, yeah, more and more. it's Everyone knows it's easier to hit off of a handset, usually. right? It's a little easier to... Or most players, right? Most players like to hit off of a handset. It's going to be a little more accurate, usually, and there's less time uh, that the ball's in the air, actually
0: for me, I just it 's easier for me to know where the ball's going because I mean when you handset, I mean you 're basically throwing the ball right. where you 're almost shooting a basket, right. you, know, you have a better idea of where it 's going if someone's just going to shoot it to where you need it, mm-hmm. whereas I mean if it 's come off your platform, it, the miss window expands by about three or four feet, I think right so it 's just easier for me to hit a handset, so I just <laughs> handset everything. <laughs>
1: It's good. How's your passing game, Travis? If you want handsets, you'd be better be able yeah, exactly. to back up that passing game. My passing <laughs> game is a little suspect. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're gonna be getting some bump sets. Yeah, there. exactly.
2: Don't be getting on your partner <laughs> for bump setting if you can't pass. <laughs> and
0: what do you think makes an athlete like Sarah Sponzel so special? Because, I mean, and two, I mean, same thing with Sarah Hughes. I mean, she won like 104 straight matches in college. What is it that separates athletes like that from those who are taken ninths and sevenths? What do you think is that, that kind of edge that they have?
1: Um, I think, you know, my time with Sarah, I was always really impressed by her ability to control her mind and remain calm at all times. Um, again, another defender that's pretty quiet and not cheating and moving, um, she can dig, uh, and she can terminate. So that the ability for her to terminate just puts her at a different level.
0: I like that word. I wish that would be. I wish terminations would be the the stat instead of kills. I just <laughs> I mean, I like that word. I like the word quiet.
2: I like you kind of bring yeah. that up a lot when you're and you're, when you're watching because I've been in, at USA practices too, and you always like the players that are quietest, yeah. like Taylor, where he's yeah. just like he's like a little bug oh. on the sand, like can't hear his feet, but he's flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that too. Like it's just like people who are heavy and and they have heavy feet. They usually don't they're not adjusting and like being instinctual they're kind of just guessing or like
1: mm-hmm.
2: trying to overpower and you can't do that on defense especially it's it's all about like a flow to it and the best players are all going to be really relaxed patient like that's like sarah sponsil seems like she has great patience mm-hmm. and that comes when you trust what you're seeing and you trust that you're going to make the right reaction and you're trust yourself enough to where you don't have to guess and you have to like make these big aggressive moves you can just be relaxed that's something that you talk about a lot is relaxed being relaxed on defense be
1: relaxed and just the ability to read and i'm not talking reading on defense only i mean you need to be have a good ability to read the server have a good ability to read the passer because you got to set them you got to have a great ability to read the set and so you can get your feet to the ball so there's just so many so many opportunities you know it's it's a reading game
0: and I feel like a lot of that becomes instinctual after enough experience do you think a a lot of that just comes with just years and years being able to like you said read the game is that just almost an experience thing or do you think that that's learnable like a learnable trait just like passing is
1: um I think you need the reps you need the time you know I was at the dinosaur is a tournament in Hawaii and um there were two you know father son mother daughter duos there Taylor was there with his dad I was there with my daughter and so on the sidelines at one of the during the day I was sitting there with Taylor chit-chatting and Taylor crab and they said well what do you do for fun like what are your hobbies And he looked at me like so surprised that I was asking that question. He says, well, this, you know, here he is playing with his dad at the the dinosaur, which he won. Um, (laughs) But that's what he does for fun. So is, you know, he's just getting all those reps. I mean, it's like an outlier. He just has way beyond the 10,000 hours that you're supposed to have to be a pro. Because he's seen those patterns over and over and over again.
2: And the more you see it, the more relaxed you can be Mm because you know that that you're going to react the right way. Mm -hmm. The people that don't know and question what they're going to do, like, what should I do? If you have to think about it on defense, it's probably too late. Or or you're probably guessing, you know, Mm -hmm. or you're really tense. But yeah, totally. I I think you got to get the reps, but also it's how many quality reps do you get like a kid like taylor i grew up mm-hmm. with him mm-hmm. um and his his dad's a great volleyball player still to this day one mm-hmm. of the best players for his age in the world um but he got a lot of him T- trevor got a lot of quality reps growing up at the outrigger canoe club um so i think they're lucky in that sense too like a lot of players will go out like the beach rats you're talking about and they'll just play just to play but their high lines aren't hitting the corners. They're you know they're playing against maybe some junk players that where you can just get by by not you know getting a full approach or just the small stuff in the sport, um, but I think some players are are lucky to have gotten that those really good quality reps from a, from a young age. So I think the player that coming out like Travis here, who's only played for what two years, three years, yeah, about almost four, getting right. on four. I think you can speed that path to getting uh, better at the game and then passing some of these other guys, you can speed up that process by getting a ton of quality reps because mm-hmm. that's what I think some people have been lacking of theirs. They're, they have a ton of reps, but they're not quality.
0: One of the biggest things that's kind of helped me along too, and then I stole this actually from Sarah Hughes and Kelly Clays, is that when they were at USC, they would imagine, because they were... Just leagues ahead of everyone that they were playing, so they would imagine that they were playing April and Carrie
2: because mm-hmm. they
0: had played them on the AVP one summer and they lost. And so at practice, you know, Kelly would hit a high line and it would go down, but her and Sarah would be kind of mad about it because they were like, "April scoops that up, no problem." That's a right. slow high just being, line, being yep. right, just being mindful in practice and knowing that if you hit a bad shot that goes down in practice, it's still not a good shot, right? Because, like, you know, now that I've made one main draw, I'm like, in practice, I'm like, well, Billy digs that shot seven times, seven days
2: out of the week. If it's not the best shot that you can make, then then it's a bad shot. shot, (laughs)
1: And that that is a transition that college players have to make when they go to the AVP. They are so used to um, having their shots go down. And then when you get to the pro level, the shots are too slow or not crisp enough. So they, you know, making that transition to making them faster or sharper is, uh, is a really important step.
0: What do you think is the best or most effective, and I know this is almost an impossible question, but just if you had to pick one drill or activity thing to work on for a beach volleyball player, where would you start them?
1: Serving and, passing. Mm-hmm. serving and passing, any combination it's, of that. It if you're, comes yeah, to that. <laughs> if you're good at the first touch on offense, you know, if you're, if your passing is good, you're gonna have vision. If you can pass on your half of the court, you're gonna have vision. And on serving, if you're really good with your serve, it's gonna make your defense a little bit easier, because that's a lot harder to do.
0: That's been yep. Reed's thing this off season. He says the, the your best defense is a good serve. If all Dollhauser's in system, then just go walk back
1: into
2: serve receive. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. true. Sometimes we actually would, because we trust our defense and what we're gonna show and take away. That we would actually give like almost like free ball serves uh, to teams. But that's knowing that this particular player is gonna come in and barrel. You know, uh, his tendency. He's gonna go to his tendency when he has this certain perfect paths and everything's in system for them um but yeah i agree but sometimes sometimes we give them a freebie and then bait them into doing what we want them to do and i know that you do have a a busy schedule so i want
0: to make sure that we we cover everything that you want to chat about is there anything that you wanted to bring up or talk about today uh that we might have missed so far
1: no well um I just, you know, I'm really enjoying uh, MB San, the volleyball club. It, it brings me Im- immense joy to see the kids develop their game and and make friendships and different partners. It's such a healthy environment to be uh, doing beach volleyball. I have coached uh, indoors, and I knew that when I, uh, I wanted to have a volleyball club that it needed to be beach because it's impossible to make 12 families happy. And so I love that about beach volleyball, that the kids need to be great at all the skills, that if you want to play, you sign up for a tournament. There is no bench. There are no coaches uh, barking or making them run, well, at least in my club, (laughs) we don't run suicides um, because, you know, they're being motivated by success. And it just... um, it just brings me a lot of joy to do it
2: now is it, do you guys do clinics as well or or is it like um just like standard club like you have to be a part of the club and you guys play in tournaments together and wear your shirts or is it
1: good question yeah. so MBCN is pay as you go so okay. i you know from being a parent myself that's what i would have wanted as a parent to because a lot of the kids are playing indoors and beach, and indoors is such a long-term commitment, about nine months, three days a week, uh, usually two tournaments a month. Uh, some of the tournaments can be two, three-day tournaments, travel tournaments. I wanted something where they could come and go mm-hmm. um, without feeling tied down. And so, you know, and is pay as you go. Uh, so you can come once a week, twice a week two times a month, and then the kids sign up for tournaments on their own. There's only one tournament a year called the BBCA, Beach Volleyball Clubs of America. It's a really big deal where you participate for your club. So then, you know, we select our own teams and then go represent NBCN and we have to be in uniform. But otherwise, uh, it's a very autonomous sport. And I think that's why the kids like it. They're in charge of their schedule, the families have a lot of freedom of um, creating, you know, a calendar for their kids that fits in with the whole family.
0: We've had a, a couple coaches on, and Jose Loyola being one of them, and mm-hmm. he said that, you know, for him to be a coach, it took him a while because he, ha- he said he ha- you have to kill the player in you to, to be a good coach, and it seems like you've just done an awesome job of, of transitioning to being a coach. Was that a difficult transition for you to make? It seems like coaching and teaching has been kind of a natural calling for you.
1: Yeah, no, I, I knew early on that, that I wanted to do this. And like I said, I just fell into being graduate assistant at UCLA, uh, my fifth year. And we won A, and I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, right. I, <laughs> yeah, I like this. I really <laughs> like this. The fact that what you said, and you know, at that time, I was so young as a coach, but the fact that what you said had some effect on the player or the play or the outcome, or that the fact that Andy Banikowski had the generosity to include me in practice uh, planning—I um, like I said, I was hooked. But it took me a while to get to that coaching part because I was doing my playing part and my mother part.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and you mother. still are hooked. It's easy to see <laughs> your passion. It's great. Yes.
2: Yeah, It's cool to see all how many you know there's not that many people but people like you who are really impacting the sport you and Mike um, in a lot of different ways like you were just talking about, but I mean that's kind of what we're trying to do here is is collect the knowledge from people like you and, and get it out to the fans and everybody so they can share and we can kind of grow the sport that way so we appreciate you coming on for that definitely
1: thank you so much and you' like good and I will love. For all families and, and um, kids out that are playing, beach volleyball is a great complement to your indoor game. So yep. hopefully oh, I, if you're being told otherwise, trust us that it's a really good complement to your indoor game.
2: I, I second that 100%. That's how I... My my indoor game developed based off my beach game, 100% growing up. Um but we do have one last question, right? Which yep. is... So we like, always like to finish
0: on the same question. You are an awesome guest for this one, actually. So if you were to give a piece of advice to a young up-and-coming beach volleyball player, just one piece of advice, and what you've would that, that be? have given that a lot already. And you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, aside from practicing and having some structure, practice, schedule... Unstructure games. Go play for fun. Go figure it out on your own with three of your friends, set up games of your own and get the reps like that because practice is not enough.
0: I love I that. Agree.
2: Once again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and where can our listeners find you? So, where can they get in touch with you? Or MB Sand? Yes. So so
1: the website is MB for Manhattan Beach, sand.com. And yes, you can find me there. My phone number is there. My email address is there. You know, whether you are a player, whether you are a coach, uh, I'm always happy and I welcome coaches all the time to my practices. I'm happy to share. There's no secret potion to this. (laughs) Uh, You know, it just, Sharing the love and spread spread the knowledge of the game.
2: Are you guys on Instagram or any other? Yes, of that? Instagram media. at
1: okay. m b s b b c and then uh, Facebook just NBC and Volleyball Club.
0: Awesome! All right, excellent. Well, we will share that out and tag you guys everywhere. Thank you so much for coming on in the podcast during Memorial Day. Glad Appreciate all awesome. the all the help.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a delightful hour.
2: All uh, right, having a great rest of the day.